Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is God's word. You may be seated. Before I start, um, I want to express how grateful uh, I and my family are for all of you, Um, as you would probably assume. um, Jaden's death has been the hardest thing that we have ever faced. Uh, These past two and a half months have been incredibly difficult in the midst of all of this heartache. You and the rest of our community have been amazing. You've loved us really, really well. Your acts of service have been incredibly kind because you tell us, but because we feel the impact of those prayers daily. Um, The most common question we get is, how are you doing? Uh, So I figured I'd answer that since probably those of you who ask want to know and those of you who don't ask want to know also. Um, it's a hard question to answer, though. Um, there's not really a fair comparison for us as to how we're doing uh, compared to what life feels like it should be life, should be like. We're, we're you know, terrible. Uh, but in light of where life is, it's hard to say. I don't know. Um, overall, we're progressing. It's not really a linear process where things just kind of continue to get a little bit better every day. Some days are much worse than others. Um, and the things that trigger pain today won't necessarily be the same as they were yesterday. Um, I was at Walmart last week, and I walked by the boys' socks and underwear section, and it just really hurt, and I wasn't expecting it. I was just in Walmart. You know, you just don't know when those things are going to be particularly hard. Um, Up to this point in my adult life, all of the identity-shaping things that have happened have been very positive things. Becoming a Christian, getting married, having kids, um, those have all been really positive things that have changed who I am on a kind of a baseline level. Uh, This one is different, though. It'll be an identity-shaping thing. It's changed me, and it will continue to change me, Uh, but it's just a deep wound that'll be with us for the rest of our lives. So please keep praying for us. Um, We continue to need it. Um, So uh, with that, let me pray, and then we'll get into uh, our passage for this week. God, we need you to show up. I need you to show up and speak through me. Use this text in our hearts to solicit worship and to align our minds and our hearts to the truth of your word. Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage this week starts with the phrase, but when Christ appeared, this shows us 
that it will be taking a contrast or making a contrast with the previous section. Last week, Jason covered a passage that portrayed the Old Covenant with its animal sacrifices um, and the, the worship in the tabernacle that was man-made, and it showed the results of that Old Covenant and what it was able to accomplish. Our passage today, uh, we will see that Jesus is the better sacrifice in the better temple, producing the better results. Jesus is the better sacrifice in the better temple, producing the better results. And that will be the outline of where we're going. So let's start with Jesus being the better sacrifice. Under the old covenant, animals were sacrificed for the sins of the people. Different sins required different sacrifices. And the only way for an Old Testament Jew... Uh, to deal with their sin was to symbolically transfer their guilt for their sin onto an animal and then have it killed in the temple. Of course, they, like us, sin on, sinned on a, a regular basis all the time. Often, they would do it without being aware of it, just like we do. So once a year, they had a special holiday uh, called the Day of Atonement. And Jason referenced it last week, uh, the passage did. Um, And on that day of atonement, a priest would go into the most holy part of the temple, the inner sanctuary, and he would sacrifice a goat uh, for the unintentional sins of the people, okay? And and that was to cover over all the things that they hadn't known to make sacrifices for throughout the year. And it would cover over all of those sins. Try to place your mindset in that of of an Israelite back then. This would have been a great day, right? It's all of the things, all of the debts that had been stacked up over the past year between you and God. And that blood of a goat covers over that sin. That's a good thing, right? That's a great day. But then the next day comes and you snap at your child. Or you're, you neglect to be kind to a neighbor. Uh, or you covet his ox or maybe his SUV, if we translate that into today. And you're in debt again. And that reminds you, oh my gosh, I sin. That's right, I sin. I'm in trouble. And you can sacrifice that sin, but even that reminds you, oh my gosh, there's all these things that I do that I don't even realize I'm doing. And that debt is already starting to pile up. And you realize, gosh, that day of atonement is another year away still. See, the system of sacrifices served as a perpetual reminder of their sin and of their separation from God. But when Christ appeared, that's the start of our passage, but when Christ appeared, he offered a better sacrifice. He entered the holy place not by means of the blood of bulls and goats, but by means of his own blood. The blood of Jesus is so much more precious than the blood of an animal. Perhaps that's why we don't ever sing the hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sins? Nothing But the Blood of a Goat. We don't sing that. This is an important sentence. God became a man so that he could shed human blood for human sin. Okay? He died the death of a man to pay the debt of a man. 
we sing nothing but the blood of Jesus because his blood is the precious, perfect sacrifice that we needed to wash away our sin. Verse 14 tells us that Jesus offered himself without blemish to God. Now, there's two additional important uh, distinctions that are made in this passage in that phrase when you compare it to the old system of animal sacrifice. The first is that Jesus offered himself. He went willingly with full knowledge of what he was doing. Unlike an animal who might be led to slaughter, he chose to go. And that's not to say it was an easy choice. It was an excruciating choice. That's why Gethsemane was such a, an intense moment for him. He knew what he was facing, and he went anyway. He offered himself. But it goes on. He offered himself without blemish. And that's the second thing we need to see there, without blemish. When you look at the Old Testament instructions for animal sacrifice, it always specified that they needed to offer uh, sacrifices that were without blemish. That meant they couldn't bring a, a sick or dying animal to the sacrifice. There were no lambs with broken legs or deformed calves or doves that couldn't fly, that kind of thing. Jesus was without blemish in a totally different way, though. It wasn't the issue of his physical body being without blemish. It was that he was morally blameless. It was his character. 1 Peter 2.22 states that he, talking about Jesus, Jesus had no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Those that knew him best talked about his moral perfection. He was without blemish. So when he offers to die as a substitute, he's actually qualified and able to do so because he didn't have any penalty for his own sin. So he could offer to take our place and take on our sin and die the death that we deserved. Jesus is truly the better sacrifice. Now the next chapter and a half in the book of Hebrews goes even into more depth than that, so I will leave it at that, though there's much more that could be said. Uh, we'll be hearing more in the coming weeks about why Jesus is the better sacrifice. Not only was he the better sacrifice, but his sacrifice was administered in the better tabernacle. Last week, Jason covered in his passage a fair amount about uh, the details and contents uh, and structure of the Jewish tabernacle, which was eventually made into a permanent structure in Jerusalem in the temple. One of the things that struck me about the way the tabernacle was described in the passage is how much it portrayed the barrier between God and man. The restricted access that it told us about, the need for blood repeatedly, the curtain blocking off the most holy place, all of that shouts obstacle, barrier, separation. This earthly tent that the Jews worshipped in was modeled after an ultimate heavenly reality. But as elaborate and detailed as it was, it was still only an imperfect, man-made representation of that ultimate heavenly reality. So the human representation could never match up to the heavenly reality. We've probably all seen photos of the Grand Canyon, right? 
or a painting or a photo of a painting. Um, and it's amazing. You look at it and you go, wow, that, that's really amazing. I'd, I'd love to visit there. Then if you actually get to go to the Grand Canyon, you, you come up to that edge and you look out and you're like, oh, that's, that's totally different than my perception of it from a picture. That two-dimensional image on a page just can never match up to actually seeing it in person. It's a whole different experience. See, a photo represents reality. It doesn't replicate reality. That human temple was like that. It represented this heavenly reality of this temple, but it falls short of replacing it. Our passage tells us that Jesus entered once for all into the perfect holy place, the one that our earthly tabernacle was modeled after, to deal with our sin in a final way. And that's really the last portion and one that I want to spend the most time on this morning. It's the most important part of our passage. Jesus was the better sacrifice in the better tabernacle, producing the better results. Jesus' sacrifice produced a better result than the animal sacrifices of the Old Covenant. The first thing I want to point out is in verse 11. We read that Jesus is the high priest of the good things that have come. They have come. It's not merely a future benefit, something that we anticipate or have to look forward to, but it's a present reality. So much of the Old Covenant was pointing forward to a day of future hope. Just a few weeks ago, we saw in Jeremiah 31, behold, the days are coming. Okay? Or in other places, you would, words like, one day it will be like this. Friends, that day has come. That isn't to say that we don't still have a great future that we look forward to. We do. Heaven awaits us. And more than ever, I cannot wait to enter that future reality. You've perhaps heard people talk about the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God. Okay? The fact that we're already in the kingdom, but there's aspects of it yet that we're not fully experiencing. The old covenant was more like the not yet, not yet kingdom. <laughs> it was all future. We have intimacy with God. We have his presence with us. God is not hidden away behind stone walls or fabric curtains with restricted access. There's a present reality of life with God that we get now. So the first thing is that it's a current reality. Secondly, in direct contrast to the Old Covenant, verse 14 states that Jesus' sacrifice purifies our conscience. Purifies our conscience. This is a direct counter to what was written in verse 9 about the sacrifices of the Old Covenant. Just to remind you, that verse told us that those sacrifices cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. See, under the Old Covenant, you killed animals, but you never effectively were able to deal with the conscience. See, it couldn't solve 
the internal heart issues of sin. This is reminiscent of what Jesus said to the Pharisees when he told them they were like whitewashed tombs. So you look good on the outside, it's clean and white and pretty, but inside it's full of death and destruction. You see, it didn't matter how many animals you sacrificed if they couldn't deal with the, if they could only deal with the external issues. It just couldn't effectively deal with our sin problem before God. Jesus' sacrifice produced a better result because it purifies our conscience. The blood of bosom goats could not purify the flesh. Or another way of saying that is that it, it would only dealt with things skin deep. Several years ago, uh, I started vegetable gardening. It's a process I really enjoy. I like the whole process of growing my own food. Uh, but as any gardener knows or soon discovers, if you create a good growing environment for the plants you want, inevitably, plants that you don't want will seek to move in. One of those plants that you particularly don't want to have move in is called the Canadian thistle. It's a spiky plant that you don't want to touch. Uh, it's a plant that my mother-in-law has affectionately termed the devil weed. You cannot kill this thing. You can pour Roundup on it and it comes back. Like, it just doesn't die. It's the kind of plant where you really have to get all of the root out of the ground to really get rid of it, which sounds reasonable. Okay, well, I'll just get, I'll get the root well. Well, the problem is several feet down, there's a root that goes sideways, and it just keeps shooting up more things off of that root. So if you, even if you get like three feet of root going straight down, there's a sideways root that you're never going to be able to pull up, and it's going to shoot up another one. So I could go out to my garden, I can pull all the thistle out of the top, and the garden looks better on the surface, but there's still a root below that's just going to shoot up more thistle. Okay? The problem hasn't been solved. That's a lot like how the Old Covenant worked. It dealt with those things on the surface with the flesh, but it didn't deal with the heart. But we have something better. You see, our hearts are new. Our conscience has been cleansed. We're new people on the inside. That's what enables us to clean up the outside. See, Christianity isn't a behavior modification program. It's a character transplant. We're new people. We're changed from the inside out. Thirdly, we see that Jesus' sacrifice is once for all. This isn't a sacrifice that was repeated daily or yearly or ever, like the sacrifices of the Old Covenant. And the reason for that is that this sacrifice actually solved the problem. It didn't need to be repeated. If someone showed up tomorrow and paid off my mortgage, I wouldn't send them a check on March 1st, right? Because the debt would be paid for. There'd be no more, nothing to pay. Jesus paid the full debt, so he doesn't have to keep coming back and making more payments, and neither do we. This better result that is produced under the new kingdom is best summarized in this morning's passage with this phrase uh, in verse 12. Thus securing an eternal redemption. 
thus securing an eternal redemption. Let's unpack that phrase for a moment. It's secured. That means it's accomplished. It's completed. It isn't in jeopardy. It's a done deal. And it's eternal. It's forever. If you're in Christ, there is never going to be a time in the future, not even a billion years from now, where your redemption will end or even be at risk of ending. It's eternal. And both of those words modify the most important word in this phrase, redemption. This word is related to the word for ransom. You see, a price has been paid for our freedom. We have been bought out of slavery. We are no longer slaves to sin. There's no more price to be paid. All of the things that reminded them of their sin and their distance from God under the old covenant, that stuff has been dealt with. There is no longer a barrier between us and God. It has been dealt with. We are redeemed. There's no more blood and no more payment to be made. And the result of that is intimacy with God. We get to draw near to God. He's not distant. He's not unreachable. He's not off in the capital city behind a curtain. He is near. I want to remind you of what we found in Hebrews 4, uh, 14 to 16, where our author spoke of Jesus as our high priest earlier in the book. He said, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this is the most important sentence I wanted you to hear. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near. See, that's what the new covenant allows us to do. We get to draw near to God. This is our great result. God is not distant. We don't need an intermediary to go between us and God. That is Jesus. He is our intermediary. He is God. We have access to him. He is present with us. One more final quick point I want to make. That great truth is what motivates our service. Verse 14 ends this way. Talking about the blood of Christ. He said it purifies our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So your consciences are cleansed to serve the living God. We are saved to serve. We don't serve to be saved. I thought it was that way for the first 16 years of my life. The Bible is so clear. We are saved to serve. Because of our redemption, because of this internal transformation that happens, because we're made right with God, from that we find this motivation 
to serve him. We're not trying to please God by serving. We're not trying to get him on our side or pay off a debt. No. We have been transformed, and that changes us and actually motivates the serving from a changed heart. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me pray. God, you are so amazing in this new covenant that you have given us. The old covenant did an amazing job at setting up the new covenant, showing us our need. I am so grateful for that. But even more grateful I am for Christ and his death and what it accomplished for us, that our consciences are cleansed, that we are new people from the inside out. I do pray that we would live a life of service in right response to that. In Jesus' name.